Hello, and welcome to the first episode of our Cultivating Healthy and Vibrant Workplaces podcast. I'm excited to have you join me in this inaugural launch, and I hope you are cozy sitting in your favorite chair or maybe at your desk. Perhaps you are sipping your favorite beverage or maybe out walking your dog. Whatever the case, I'm glad you've decided to check out our bi-weekly podcast. This first episode will be a three-part interview with three incredibly talented workplace wellness leaders who also happen to be graduates of our Executive Wellness Leadership Program and profiled in our book. They are Ryan Wolf of Gallup, Jesse Gavin of Baylor College of Medicine, and Philippa Dawood of Scarborough Health Network, all of whom will be formally introduced momentarily. By way of a personal introduction, my name is Lisa Kelly, and I'm the founder and president of the Workplace Wellness Center of Excellence and director and principal trainer of our workplace wellness and leadership courses, certification programs, and consulting services. Now, my desire to create a podcast has been on my bucket list for some time, and I was ultimately inspired to begin its development while writing our book. As I alluded to in our book, due out in the next couple of months, upon completing the first draft, I got a little sad and nostalgic that our book journey was nearing an end. It occurred to me then that starting a podcast might be an excellent way to bring our book to life and expand on topics discussed with those interviewed and profiled, along with other industry leaders and influencers involved in workplace wellness and culture building. This podcast series will also be integrated with our LinkedIn newsletter, Cultivating Vibrant Workplaces. So I invite you to check it out if you're not already subscribed. This podcast series will explore results-driven approaches to fostering healthy, vibrant work cultures and inclusive, multidimensional wellness programs. Each episode will open with a Keeping It Real segment of my thoughts on the topics discussed in the interviews and will conclude with some closing remarks by me to illuminate key takeaways. Upon considering a theme for this initial Keeping It Real segment, Nike's Just Do It slogan came to mind as it aligns perfectly with the self-imposed challenges I encountered launching a podcast series and my procrastination in writing these opening comments. Being a perfectionist, I always tend to wait for the ideal moment to start a new project. Can you relate? I will make up excuses like I never got enough sleep to be creative-minded or other projects require my immediate attention. As I type these words, I am becoming painfully aware that self-imposed pressures often get in my way of starting something new. So after several days of attempting to begin these opening lines for this episode, I decided to simply open a Word file and do a brain dump of all I wanted to say in these introductory comments. And well, lo and behold, by removing any pressures to create the perfect script, within 30 minutes, I went from Nike's just do it to I just did it. It wasn't perfectly written, but I got myself in motion. And as we all know, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And while my 10th or 20th podcast episode may be miles ahead of this one, it's okay. For as I remind myself, 
I summoned the courage to make it happen and got it started. The rest I can figure out as I go and with the feedback from you and other listeners. The concept of just doing it also aligns nicely with this podcast topic of Workplace Wellness Reset. Yes, these times are extremely volatile. They're dynamic and fluid. And as a workplace wellness, HR, or organizational leader, you may be waiting for the ideal time to maybe start a new program or project or to approach leadership with a new idea or initiative. In either case, if you wait too long, the opportunity may pass you by. So I invite you to put your visions and concepts on paper vet them with the appropriate stakeholders, and then put the wheels in motion. And if it does not live up to your expectation, embrace it as a growth opportunity. As a program trainer, I often tell my students that the world is moving way too fast to be a perfectionist, and that life and opportunities may pass them by if they fail to seize a moment, or set their ideals or expectations too high. So in keeping it real, perhaps you might share some of your perfectionistic examples and experiences in the comments below this podcast. And now, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to our esteemed panel, who you will hear from momentarily. You can also learn more about each of them via their LinkedIn profiles included in the show notes and their interview profiles in our book. Ryan Wolf, based in Gallup, Omaha, Nebraska, is the Workplace Wellness Lead for Gallup. He leads Gallup's health and well-being strategies through partnerships with their research team, business channels, benefits department, consulting practice, and external medical and wellness partners. He has completed a master's in business administration, is currently pursuing an educational doctorate in leadership, and as I mentioned, is a graduate of our executive wellness leadership program. Jesse Gavin, located in Houston, Texas, is the wellness director of Baylor College of Medicine. Through his leadership and the efforts and achievements of their wellness team and champions, Baylor College of Medicine has won numerous awards, including being named in 2021 as the nation's third healthiest employer by Healthiest Employers, LLC. In 2018, they were honored as a silver award winner of WellCOA's Well Workplace. And in 2019, they were the recipient of Coop's National Health Award. Jesse received a bachelor and master's degree in fitness and human performance and is pursuing a doctor of public health degree from the UT Health School of Public Health. And he is also a graduate of our Executive Wellness Leadership Program. Philippa Dawood is the wellness coordinator of Scarborough Health Network in Ontario. Her passion for wellness began over eight years ago as she embarked on a 100 pound plus weight loss journey that she's quite proud to share. Inspired by the support of her leadership at the time, she went back to school and completed a workplace wellness certificate program. And as Scarborough Health Network's wellness coordinator, she commits to supporting and promoting a healthy workplace by taking a transformational leadership approach. Philippa recently completed a certificate program in occupational health and safety and is also a graduate of our Executive Wellness Leadership Program. In this three-part episode, we discuss whether a reset is needed on some level for workplace wellness. 
to meet the evolving needs of our employees and organizations arising from the pandemic? And if so, where might we begin? And what might be required to realign our efforts and potentially redefine or redirect our wellness programs and cultures? So whether you are a workplace wellness leader, a senior leader or manager, a wellness champion or enthusiast, I am certain you will find the discussions and responses by our panel most inspiring, thought-provoking and tactical. So let's jump in, shall we? Welcome, everyone, and I'm thrilled to have you join us in part one of the kickoff episode of our Cultivating Healthy and Vibrant Workplaces podcast series. So today and over the next few segments, we'll be joined by our esteemed panel, who I'll introduce momentarily, and we're going to be discussing one of the themes of our forthcoming book, Cultivating Healthy and Vibrant Workplaces, and that theme is is workplace wellness as an industry, as organizations, is it due for a reset? And, you know, what might that look like? And how are we going to manifest that vision? Okay, so as I introduced in my opening remarks, we are joined today by three of my favorite people who I had the honor of training and coaching in our executive wellness leadership programs over the past couple of years and who are also profiled in our book. So welcome to our first ever show, Jesse Gavin, the Wellness Director of Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, Philippa Dawood, the Wellness Coordinator with Scarborough Health Network in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada, and Ryan Gallup, a wellness consultant with Gallup, and they're located in Omaha, Nebraska in the United States. So can I have a big drum roll, please, for each of these fine people? Yay! <laughs> so we have so much to talk about that I anticipate this first episode will probably be a three-part segment. So be tuned for sure. Stay tuned for the following segments. So good morning, Jesse and Philippa and Ryan. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Morning, doing well. <laughs> yeah, what an honor to be here. Thank you, Lisa. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad. I'm so glad. And I really, I do I want to extend my thanks once again for agreeing to be our you know, guests in our first episode. So I brought each of you together as a panel. And, you know, in some of our episodes, we'll have a panel. Um, we may have a, a co-host come on, or it may be just myself and a guest. But in any, in any event, in this particular first episode, I thought, each of you had a lot of commonality and would really be um, great guests to bring on to speak to this question. Like, you know, is our industry due for a reset? And if so, you know, how do, what does that look like? I want to start our discussion by asking each of you how you stay healthy in your, you know, your wellness and in your mind, body and spirit. And Specifically, do you have any daily self-care rituals or practices that you might like to do at home before you maybe leave for the office or at the work site? And if so, what might they be? So, Jesse, I'll start with you. What do you like to stay? What do you do to stay healthy? So I'd probably say one of the things that I do on a regular basis is uh, something that actually Ryan alluded to is, is CrossFit. Um, and so number one rule of CrossFit is you have to talk about CrossFit. And so check, check that, but check that box. But, uh, so I, and I'm an afternoon, um, active person. I can't work out in the morning. I can't be physically active in the morning. So, you know, I think just 
listening to my body um, is very important. You know, I, I started doing the, the cold showers, so kind of cold, cold therapy techniques oh, wow. and then um, working out. And then, of course, nutrition. You know, I, I try to keep it sensible, but I also know that it's okay to, to veer a little bit. Um, and, and so if I want something and I'm craving something, you know, I, I eat it I, and I don't, I try not to feel bad about it or, yeah. or something like that, which I think sometimes we tend to do. Good for you. I, I appreciate that. And someone just coming off of a book, <laughs> I have my share of a couple of chocolate donuts along the way to keep my energy going. I, I won't lie. And I'm a holistic nutritionist. I'm definitely an 80-20 girl. I have to say that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, thank you, Jesse. Um, Philippa, how about yourself? Well, well, you know, I, I'm a complete fan of physical activity. So I think that's the number one thing that I do. And I agree with Jesse. There's just something about morning workouts that are just a big struggle for me. Um, usually it's, 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 it's really more of a lifestyle approach. So I, I, I get up in the morning, I drink water. I think that's really the first thing that I do is, is that to hydrate. And then, you know, I shower, do all that. And I actually get up early. I get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Everyone goes, how do you get up that early? But there's a reason for it. I, know, <laughs> I can see, I can see, I can hear the face. But it's, it's I, I, I allow myself a chance to shower, change, you know, drink my water, um, have my breakfast, sort of pack my lunch for work because I, I you know, I meal plan. And, and then I, I have a chance to sit down, do the crossword, do the new Wordle. I'm a big fan of Wordle right now. I don't know about you guys, New York Times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring <laughs> it on. I'm a Wordle addict. <laughs> and it's just, it's, and then I, I sort of, you know, drink my coffee and I interact. I mean, I'm at home with my parents. And so I have a conversation. I have that social. Um, and then I go to work and then my day starts. And then I come home and then I do my, then I do my workout in the evening. So Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of an evening workout kind of gal myself. And and Ryan, how about yourself? Yeah, for me, it's really all about balance. So there's three young boys who live uh, through my my sons that live in my house. So my day starts by just making sure everyone else's day gets off to a good start. Oh, what a nice dad <clears throat> so, you are. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, lately though, the sun's been. Uh, we're recording this uh, May 18th, so the sun's been coming up earlier and earlier each morning. So that's uh, giving me the opportunity to get outside before everyone else wakes up, have a few minutes by myself, whether even if it's just something as small as walking around the block yeah. is, uh, is a good way for me to feel like I've got something productive done with my, my health, um, whether that's physically or just mentally uh, getting off on the right foot. So it changes a lot, you know, um, I some I, I like routines. I, I actually love routines, but I'll say that my routines shift and change a whole lot just depending on the season of the year and the season of the career. So uh, it's it's a good time. And uh, as Lisa, just hope you know that I I also love to keep it real as well. Yeah, good good stuff. Well, I think we're we're off to a good start here. Okay, so. With that easy one out of the way, <laughs> let's just jump in. So as I mentioned in my opening, from all our research for the book and with all that's been happening leading up to and now during the pandemic, I really do feel, and I don't think I'm wrong in feeling this way, that as an industry and as, you know, within our organizations, that we're probably due for some sort of reset. Okay. And that's, you know, as anything in life, right? There's, you know, that evolution that needs to happen and sometimes a revolution. So I know it's a really loaded question, 
And I know you've had some time to think about that, but we're really going to try and deconstruct this question and unpack it over this next few segments through our questions. And thanks again for sending in questions along these, you know, to help us to, to help us do so. So again, I'll ask, and I, you know, I'll I'll start again with Jesse, but we're going to keep this very conversational, of course, as I said earlier. And um, you know, jump in, just jump in with your thoughts, and uh, if you have something to think to to add to each of the questions. So on that, you know, Jesse, what are your thoughts? Do you feel that we are maybe due for some level of a reset type of a reset as an industry in, in workplace wellness? Personally, I'd probably say maybe not. Uh, as a direct reset, because I think that we were doing some great things. I think we were making some great sides strides before COVID-19. Okay. Um, but I definitely think we need to make enhancements and we need to enhance our clarity around what we do, even from a wellness as an entity perspective. Um, there's really no standards, right? Anybody can call themselves a wellness center, whether they're a marijuana shop or they're a you know full state-of-the-art massage service. It, it, it's just there's no regulations on that. Um, but also as well, bridging the gaps within, especially when we're talking about organizations, you know, I think bridging the gaps between departments and and Philippa was talking about creating new new policies and plans um, before we started the call today. And I think that that's really where we need to shift our focus is that we've been doing such a great job at adding resources. But wellness has been around for a long time. We're still we're still realizing some of these issues that we have always seen. And so something is not quite right. Right. And I and I think it's not, I think part of it is that we just are so set on here's an issue, here's a solution, um, or an app or, or a resource that will fix it, but that's not necessarily what's going to fix it. It's changing organizational structure, changing organizational policy, um, and really looking at why people do what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And really yeah. getting into the cultural, right? Get the yeah. cultural aspects, <laughs> right? And and you know, let's be clear, these things are not going to change overnight. These are long-term systemic issues that we have to address, right? But I mean, I could go on and on, but I won't give too much away because we go into a lot of this in our book. But Philippa, what would you say to that? Or how would you add Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I you know, you know, we we t- we talk about policies and procedures and process, but I think it's funny. It's a conversation that's come up a lot lately in healthcare and wellness, but, but I, I think we have to look at it from perhaps shifting or finding a way to marry or merge the pillars. So we all know there's eight dimensions of wellness and maybe more like, like Jesse said, it comes in all shapes and sizes. There's no official regulations around it, but we need to marry and merge those pillars. Um, so, you know, the social health, physical, to the standard, which is what we've done. Now, I know in different countries, there could be a different um, book of standard or, you know, we use the standard and, and we're going to talk about this later. So I don't want to get too, too deep a dive. But if we can bring it to the day to day, we can really, I think, really get to the root cause and that low hanging fruit that we need to, to get as an organization. And that's what's so great about that is different for every organization. If we can, we can customize and really make a difference. Uh, but there is fear. I, I will. I want to say at this point, there's some organ, some hospitals, some organizations are probably they don't see necessarily see that marriage yet. So I think we have a great opportunity to introduce and to talk about the marriage of you know getting to root. How do we get to the deeper dive? How do we get to root causes? 
and have wellness being that that overarching uh, umbrella. Absolutely, and, and I say this in our executive wellness leadership program, which you all have are graduates of. Um, thank you very much. You know that we are in a real um, ideal opportunity, if you want to seize it, to become a strategic business partner to our senior leadership. Right. Um, regardless of what level, you know, whether just you're at a director level, I mean, we all have different, we all have different titles, but I think we all essentially do the same role. You, you all pretty well do a lot of the same roles. Right. And um, yeah. And so Ryan, how about yourself? What, what are your thoughts to add on to what, uh, what's been said? Yeah, I think, uh, I think what Philippa and Jesse have said are just right on um, just kind of getting away from the over-reliance on programs and perks and really trying to think about ways that we get away from fragmented uh, types of initiatives and think about ways that we can really embed and integrate our mission into the organization's mission. What changes to employee well-being have you noticed probably since the beginning of COVID-19, you know, in, I guess, was it 2020? <laughs> two years ago. Wow. Um, you know, let's, um, again, I'll start with you, Philippa. Wow. That is a, a that's a big question. You know, I, I, I think I, I go back to sort of, you know, what we're currently doing. Um, I, I, when I came here in 2018 in my role, which hard to believe it's over four years ago now, and it was very much, um, about what we had, those individual silos, you know, the massage, the fitness centers, um, EAP, the employee family assistance program, which is what most organizations have, you know, they had those sort of big ticket items and the pandemic shut a lot of that down, right? Mm. We, we couldn't open our fitness centers. We couldn't have massages, health and safety took over. Mm. And I think what, what's happened now is people have, when we hear about, when we heard about the complaints or the upset or the issues that were affecting the staff, it really drilled down to things like my break room. I can't use my break room anymore. There's only so many people. I can't lie down on the couch. So it's really those things that, that maybe we took for granted or were just always available were no longer available. And so we had to think about, oh gosh, so things have switched. I mean, um, our fitness centers are, we're looking at converting, we're looking at making more inclusive spaces, diversity, inclusion. That is something that has become a huge conversation piece um, in, in wellness. And so I think there's, there's, we've evolved. Like I think, like I said, that root cause, those, those little things that were no longer available have become bigger umbrellas to to tackle. Yeah, thank you for that. But let's even bring it back for a second to our employees, like their actual health and well-being. What have yeah. you been know? Like you're in a hospital, my gracious. And yeah. Is Jesse, yeah. Like, I mean, um, you know, are you seeing, I hope not, but are you seeing like levels of attrition or people going on sick leave or how's their mental health? Yeah. I mean, at yeah, the start yeah. of it, at, at the start of it, I, I anticipated people running into, if we haven't already, maybe soon. And I hope I'm wrong, but you know, issues of PTSD. I mean, you know, yes. you guys have been on the front lines, so to speak, so much with this pandemic. Yeah, staff staff shortage is, is massive. Um, you know, burnout is real. Um, and I think though what we're what we're also seeing is people are leaving the industry. They're leaving they're leaving healthcare, they're right. leaving our the organization. Um 
people are looking to find jobs that are more, not necessarily seven days a week, right. you know, not necessarily they're, they're looking for more routine. I I've, I've heard a lot of people are applying or looking for work that is more of a nine to five ish type of work or has yeah. that, that yeah. new, you know, work from home has a greater work-life balance. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and as you're saying that, mm-hmm. like I used to teach career, career coaching in, you know, telecom as an HR training development consultant. And, you know, one of the areas which, you know, in our coming out in our book too, we talk about career well-being as an important dimension so that I can foresee if you want to step into that role as workplace wellness leaders, even playing some of that role of being a, a career and well-being coach, you know, to, yeah. to groups, through group seminars. And, um, you know, in some cases, it might even mean that they end up leaving the company because yeah. of that. But, but you know, they may come back as well. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to see a real fluid thing happening between employees coming and going from organizations. And I think we have to anticipate, brace for that, and mm-hmm. prepare for it, and then, you know, be welcoming of their return as well, right? And, and then, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Jesse, what do you, you know, anything you want to add to that, what we just talked about? Yeah, so I think, I mean, of course, I think if we're talking about the dimensions, social well-being really took a huge hit. I mean, people couldn't see their loved ones. They couldn't visit. They couldn't um, get together with, with their coworkers. Um, I've, I've told people I actually started um, in my doctoral program in the summer of 2020, kind of after everything had shut down. So if you think about a doctoral program, one of the benefits is, is creating those connections. And I've never, honestly, I've never met any of my cohort that started the same year as I have. Um, and I've just finished my second year. So wow. it's, it's things like that that's made it difficult. Of course, along with that increases in mental stress and, and as I to mentioned, burnout, but also from a organizational perspective, I think there's a huge shift, right? Because we had a lot of people working from home and it seems like they got a taste of what real work-life balance could be. And they started sitting back and thinking, I'm just as productive now as I am without driving an hour to and from work, without sitting there with nothing to do or trying to make myself look busy to keep up an image. Um, and so I think this, and I think with the great resignation, employees are starting to see that they don't have to drive themselves into the ground and they can still be creative. They can still be productive and still enjoy some of those things that essentially that's what you work for. Are you seeing any opportunities in your organizations for, you know, you're in a hospital setting where you have you pretty well, you know, on the site client facing, right. Customer mm-hmm. patient facing, are you seeing opportunities or are there instances where some of your maybe admin staff or others are, or can work from home or is that becoming an option? Yeah, speaking speaking for like my my department or or the anything that's that's not we're, we don't look after patients. We look mm-hmm. at I mean our patients are quote unquote the staff, right? right. There, I think I would say that, that our disability team um, can ha- probably out of our particular unit were the most uh, working from home when they could, but right. because we are such um, we want to be you know our director really supports us being in on unit and having those face to face where it makes sense you know, we would all, everyone's been brought back. I've never been at home uh, from, I, I've had to be on all the time, including safety. There was any admins, um, but we can, we are, we have the, we're enabled with laptops and everything to do that. Um, but um, some, some admin happens. I mean, our communications team, for example, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, 
but then there's, there's also some departments that literally um, anyone that, that supports under the, um, the administration role can work from home and, and but and some have been wanting to stay there. Some, yeah, they only come well, in now know, when they have too, to. Right? There's that race for talent for people like in communications or HR or whatever. Yeah. Then to be able to attract or retain them, I'm thinking that you almost have to toe the line, no different than any other organization, or else you're not going to be, you yeah. know, in the running for this this talent, right? That, that's yeah, my I thinking mean, anyway. Well, I, and I think also too, at it logistically, we don't always have space for all. We boosted up yeah, our exactly. team. I mean, I have yep. I have two assistants. There's no official offices for these people. Right. So, I mean, that's another you know uh, thing too. A lot of um, space was reused for storage for PPE. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, we can't even though we're sort of slowly starting to open things up again. Um, hospitals and healthcare, we're still above and beyond what public health is is requiring. Yeah. Our standards are much higher. We're not taking our masks off. So. Yep. Space is, is also now very, very limited. So even if we wanted to bring everybody back, right. I don't think logistically, logistically we could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Ryan, how about yourself? What are you seeing? Like, um, you know, coming back to our question around employee well-being and, and not even just high level in terms of our programs, but just the, you know, at the ground level with, with our employees themselves, um, you know, as much as you can share, you know, about what you're noticing, say within Gallup, within, you know, the employees you work with, what, what's your sense of where they are? How are they doing these days? Yeah, so my mind actually went to some some research that Gallup has done on <clears throat> on whether or not the employee feels like their employer, their organization cares about their well-being. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we asked we started asking employees back in 2010, does your organization care about your well-being and rated on a five on a five-point scale, five strongly agree, one strongly disagree. Uh, starting in 2010, about one in five people strongly agreed. So pretty low number, right? And that stayed pretty true all the way until 2020, when that number really rose to about 50% of people could strongly agree that their organization cared about their well-being. So the, it was pretty interesting to see that figure really jump. And that was I, our hypothesis is that it jumped because... Uh, employees got uh, more communication from their leaders. They had the opportunity to exercise the opportunity to work from home or work in a way that um, was more suitable to their lifestyle. <clears throat> and um, and just other reasons too, like just perspectives that they might not have seen, they might not have noticed that uh, before that that um, maybe their manager didn't check in on them as mm-hmm. much as prior to the pandemic yeah. onset. But then as we see um, return to work and kind of return to um, some, some pre-COVID processes, the, the, this percentage of, of employees who strongly agree that mm-hmm. their organization cares about their well-being, it's all the way back down to no its normal way. level. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. So, really, really, really. Oh, so, t- yeah. To Jesse's <laughs> point about employees having a taste of that flexibility right. or that lifestyle opportunity, uh, that autonomy. Um, I think it's it's a it's an even tougher time now uh, for us as uh, as wellness and well being leaders to create an environment that. Um, that's conducive to employee satisfaction and engagement because they've had that taste been taken away potentially, uh, not for everyone, but the sentiment is back to where it was 
prior. And and that's you know thank you for sharing that and for those statistics. Um, and of course we we cite that and we've got some other information you know from you in our book on that. Um, and and that's what brought me back to this whole question of it, you know about a reset, right? Um, right where we were, where we were in the pandemic, and where we are now, and you know, reset in terms of not just workplace wellness, but as an organization, our cultures, how do we nurture a hybrid work culture? What does that look like? What role can we play as workplace wellness leaders in doing that? And again, these are some of the questions that we've approached in our book, discussed, and we'll continue to through our podcast series, right? How do we become more holistic, more multidimensional? How do we, because Part of, I think, in the past, we've got some employees who are very physically fit, but they have other areas like maybe it's career well-being or financial well-being or mental health, you know, well-being that they want help with. How do we, with just ourselves and our small little budgets and our small staff, how can we leverage what we have within our skill sets and our resources to become more multidimensional, right? So, uh, Ryan, let me just maybe start off with you now on this one. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. So, I'll come at it with my Gallup rose-colored lenses sure thing. <laughs> and my Gallup <laughs> perspective. But really, uh, it's uh, I'll say maybe kind of th- I'll answer this sort of three ways. Mm-hmm. First one is it's the manager. So think about how you can partner more with managers, direct um, direct report. So those who are answering to direct reports. So these people are very powerful in terms of the, <clears throat> the impact they have on individual contributors within the organization. So they're either the, I guess you could say they're either the roadblock or the conduit of well-being. So think about the manager and how you can enhance your relationship or how you can upskill managers to become better conduits okay, of so can I stop you if I'm yeah. gonna periodically do that because I really think yeah. this is so and so we talk about this so much for the book. <clears throat> can you give me and I don't want to put you on the spot, but if anything comes <laughs> to you and again when you have a chance, you know, the other Philip and Jesse, you can certainly speak to this as well. Can you think of one example? Because I'm all about being tactical, giving our listeners, yeah. right, something that they can really put their teeth into and walk away with, right, and maybe implement themselves. Can you think of an example of how you've done just that, how you've reached out to a manager and maybe identified their need or serve and support them? Anything come to mind that, again, you're comfortable in sharing? Yeah, so I, I uh, really intentionally make sure that managers are either involved in the planning process of our well-being initiatives or they're at least aware of them prior to marketing uh, to the whole organization. So that way I have a proper sounding board. So there's no surprises about what we're doing. Nobody's going to say, oh boy, I don't know if we should really be doing this. Um, I've got my, I've, uh, I've got their back. And And so what would that look like? I mean, do you have a one-on-one? Do you bring them in as a group? I mean, how do you actually manifest? How do you, you, how do you make that happen? Yeah. So any, it's, it's, it's manifested over years and actually decades. I've been working at Gallup for probably too long to, uh, to, to mention in this uh, podcast. I don't want to age myself here, but I, Oh, you're just a young chap. So there's, so there's some, there's some managers who really want to be involved. 
if you can sense that when that buzzer goes off, bring them into your inner circle and get them as, as involved as they want to be. There's some managers who just want to know. So that's like your group A. Group B managers, they just want to know what's going on so they can pass that pass the resources down to their people who need them. So they they just want to be aware of what's going on. They don't necessarily want to be in meetings, um, but they want to be aware. And then you've got um, your third level of, of managers and they probably like or love everything you do. They just want to be even more hands-off. They don't necessarily care what the what what initiatives are coming up next because they trust what you're doing. And you just kind of, I don't necessarily have a, a, a big cadence or dialogue with them, but, um, but they're fine with, um, with who they are. And I kind of lean on those groups one and two. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, Jesse, um, you know, again, we're talking about, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future, what are some holistic and multidimensional approaches, um, you know, t- to helping nurture the self-care of our employees, but also always keep in mind the organization as a whole, right? We're, we're really serving two entities, our employees and our organizational culture. So that's a really big question. So with that in mind, what would yeah. you say? <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of making notes as, as Ryan was speaking. And I think, you know, as I mentioned before, I think as wellness professionals, we're really looking for that quick point that we can make an impact um, and in the past, we've done a lot on personal behaviors. This is what you can do to help out in all these different dimensions, whether it's you could practice mindfulness or you can go for a run or you can bring your lunch and not eat out at restaurants. But what we really need to look at is what the organization can do because context matters and environment matters. And we know that now. And so really looking at that space, I mean, and, and trust, they're like your big brother, you're just here to figure out that I have diabetes. You're here to figure out that I am the one that is causing these high cost claims so you can fire me. And it takes time to build that trust for them to see this is not what's happening. Um, and it takes transparency. I think that's one of the things that our senior leaders did really well at during COVID-19 is that our CEO, um, CEO and president, Dr. Plotman, did a, a weekly video talking about what was going on in the organization, what was going on in the world. Um, we have some world-renowned physicians, um, Dr. Peter Hotez, who developed a vaccine um, that's being used overseas. They're up for a Nobel Peace Prize. And so just constant communication on that, because I think, um, you know, and, and we're talking about the, the senior leaders and how we get them involved. I, I find myself very beneficial or very lucky because and I know this is not always the case. And I've been I've been in organizations where this is not the case, but my direct supervisor is the CHRO and his direct supervisor is the COO. And then of course the CEO. So our COO is very involved in people. And I routinely speak in our administrator council meetings. Um, it's all, it's to see where our opportunities are, where can we can use them help? Because honestly, if you think about it, a lot of times people go to managers because they need something right. or even the CEO, or even the CEO, people go to them and say, this is happening. I need you to do this. But just taking a step back and realizing that there are people as well, like you mentioned, checking out what their needs are um, and really helping us as an organization drive that culture of trust and, and inclusiveness. And, and we're really here for you. I tell people all the time, my role in this organization is to be your advocate. Like, Can you think of an instance where 
you supported a leader or manager and they're just so thankful. Like you've made such a difference in their life and that just had a ripple effect. I mean, again, I, I don't know if that has happened, but does anything come to mind? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I have that senior leadership support, um, you, do. you know, you really from top do. down, I really, really do some VP and I present to senior leadership and I carry a very consistent message of, you know, supporting the workplace related risk factors and the standard and they listen, they're hearing. And, but yes, um, with, through the rounding, actually, um, I not only run into the, to the, okay, sorry, can you explain to everyone what the rounding is? (laughs) Yes. So the wellness rounding is, uh, a cart, uh, dollar store baskets. You don't need to spend a lot of money. (laughs) Just get a, a cart, a brochure stands, uh, get all your education, get some donations or chocolates or goodies. Um, and loaded oranges. up. Oranges. <laughs> yes, healthy and top. Yes. Thank you, Lisa, for reminding me it's not all about chocolate. <laughs> um, but yes, the chocolate does get attention. Um, <laughs> of course it does. And, and, and stretching. I do the stretching and uh, like I you do, do Zumba. a great job. Yeah. You do Zumba. Yeah. Like I've actually, if you go to my, go to my LinkedIn newsletter, I actually show in, uh, I think episode, uh, segment, or, sorry, issue eight. Uh, I talk about your Zumba rounding and you can see little videos and oh my gracious, I get so inspired every time I see them, right? It's so awesome. Yeah, it's so, so much so, fun. Yeah, so, so the, again, bring that back yeah, to the question around the manager. Is there anything? Yeah, so what the managers do actually, because what we've done um, when the pandemic first started, it was just, we were just rounding. We didn't really have a formal process. And since then, the managers actually see me on unit and I get them to engage. But more importantly, we like them to book the cart. So we now have about oh, 75 nice. departments or units at all three sites that are booked for an activity at a certain time of the day. Yeah. And so and the it manager should be said that you service three different locations. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Three acute sites. Yeah. So wow. yeah, about yeah. 5,200 plus employees. And yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So it's, it's uh, with the manager having that. So then we, we send a, a confirmation that goes into their inbox. So they are responsible for letting their teams know but hey, you've got wellness. Um, they they talk to their team about the time and the date. They then when they fill out the connect and engage bookings online booking form, and then I put it in their Outlook calendar, and that's the time we're rounding. And so there's we right from the minute we book it, they have they have the responsibility to to engage. Yeah. But uh, so that's just one one way of getting them to, to right. buy in and support their teams. But for themselves as individuals, yes, I, I have had a lot of opportunities to sit down. I mean, yes, I attend our leadership training onboarding. I talk about the program, talk about all of that. But I, you know, I had um, a leader. There's a lot of new leaders. I'm sure, we're all experiencing a lot of turnover for yes. for leadership as well, and just you know, having, sometimes it's very fearful because they're coming into situations or departments that have had very, a lot of issues or staff shortages or incidents or whatever it is. And they are, it's, it's daunting, right? So being able to, I have, I'll have one or one, sometimes they're ad hoc, sometimes they're planned. Right. And um, I, a lot, the, the specific coaching I have done with them though, is how to have that conversation about wellness to their staff. Nice. Because we nice. want the staff to go to the front line. Cause like, like uh, Ryan said, they're right there. Yeah. They are, they're on, they're that, that leader yeah. between, you know, um, the, like the issues happen. They're on the front line with, as the leader, you know, so that we want them to be the first port of storm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, or port of call in the storm. So, 
if, but they don't sometimes know how to have that conversation. So I bring them our employee family assistance people leader guide. I'll give them some resources from our mental health first aid, um, you know, just to help them. Around the area of employee burnout or mental health resilience. And just, you know, quickly, if you want to share what you're doing or what you plan to be doing, again, whatever you're able to share, you know, within each of your organizations. So maybe Jesse, I'll start with you on that one. So I think, like I said, we, we've done a lot of resources in, in being a medical institution. Um, we've created some internal resources as well uh, for people that for counseling. And we're always looking, listening to the needs of the organization and, and what. Um, so we're looking at our vendors and making sure that they that our people can get real-time help. And I think that's one of the things um, we were talking about shortages. There's a shortage all over the place, um, even with counselors and therapists. So some people are needing help right now and they're being told that they can't be seen for a week or even a month. And that's just, that's not okay. Um, if they need to talk to somebody, they need to talk to somebody now. And so I think that's really something that we're looking at is that one, to make sure that our resources meet the needs that of our entire workforce from students all the way up to faculty. Um, and then also we're looking at you know, looking at some some research from organizations like Gallup and OC Tanner and Wellcola um, to learn more and, and about best practices. You know, we're really looking at um, Ryan mentioned autonomy, which can be hard in a healthcare setting because you know doctors might not feel they have the best autonomy, but people really want a voice in what happens in their day. Um, relatedness, um, but there's so much research on whether you have a friend at work or you know, people are leaving because of managers. So being related and, and tied into the organization and also mastery. So people need mastery, which you touched on. People need opportunities to grow in their learning and learn new skills. And so if I think if you can, and we're looking at those things, but I think if you can hit those three things of autonomy, relatedness, and mastery, you're going to be doing pretty well off. And, and things like, like you said, action items, things like learning management systems, um, tying it into your purpose and values, um, you know, setting up things like roundings and, and social connection among people, and then just increase leadership training. Because I think that's one of the things that happened during the pandemic as well, is that you have these people that used to, that are used to managing people in person, and then they had to switch to managing people virtually, and they don't know how. Like, they literally don't know how to do that. And it, it can cause distrust because they think, oh, they're just sitting by the pool while they're answering emails. Um, one, I would be okay with that, <laughs> but, uh, but some people won't, right? So we think about perception and, and stigma and some people are stuck in that older mentality to where you should be at your desk until the job is done. Yeah. And if someone gets up to walk for 10 minutes, they feel like they're getting a side eye, yeah. um, from the person sitting next to them, which is probably one of the hardest things to change yeah. in an organization is, is individual perception. Um, individual fight, keep, keep fighting that good fight. Keep <laughs> fighting. You got to keep fighting. We need it. Okay. Um, just quickly, then we'll end off with, uh, you know, Ryan and Philippa. So Ryan, um, you know, coming back to the question around how we're supporting, you know, the burnout that's been happening, right? That was building that certainly happened over the pandemic and, you know, coming out of the pandemic and then on the flip side, enhancing resilience. What, 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 what have you been, have you been doing in, in Gallup to that end? Yeah. So I can I can go back with uh, coming again with my Gallup perspective, but really the research tells us that when 
when people are really focused on their strengths, what they do well, what uniqueness they bring to their team and their organization, and when they're recognized for doing such, and then when their job is crafted in a way by a leader who cares about them and knows about them, then there's a lot of great things that can happen to mitigate burnout and to boost resilience. So really a a big focus on strengths and not so much focusing on what what sort of weaknesses or limitations an employee has, but what does this person do well and how can we get them to do more of that job, more of that role or that specific task? And then, um, you know, Jesse touched a little bit uh, about things like recognition, having having a good friend at work, um, being able to be uh, competent or learning and growing. So that's really uh, some fundamental aspects of employee engagement. So we're, we're highly focused on engagement. And engagement uh, defined is an employee's psych- psychological commitment toward the organization. Mm-hmm. When an organ, when when, a, when an employee is, is psychologically committed, there's a lot of good things that will happen, and um, and it really starts with kind of knowing what's expected of uh, of the employee at work, um, being supported by uh, his or her manager having uh, strong relationships and friendships at work to uh, to have you know bounce ideas off of or worries off of right. um, and then get that support and then ultimately kind of ends with having the opportunity to learn and grow and having that mastery within a role so that's sometimes a little bit out of the realm of what some wellness practitioners feel like they are capable of uh, I guess performing. Yeah. So my recommendation is first learn about that, and then second think about who you can partner with, who's a leader within the yes. organization that owns that, and how can you support him or her within those initiatives? Because that's something that the leader can't do by his or herself, right. yeah. and needs a yeah. lot of help. Yeah. And that's where uh, to to grow as a wellness leader. You that's an area of opportunity where you can enhance yeah. your your um, just your um, personal uh, ability, but also your your personal brand as well, and really broaden who you are and what you can do within the organization. I know, as you say that, it brings back again the question around the workplace wellness reset. And I think if there's anything that I would suggest to us as well as leaders, to organizations, leadership, to really you know not think about me, but we, right? And really um, yeah. think more about leveraging partnerships. And we talk again about that in the book, and we'll continue in the future. And you know, everyone play nice in the sandbox and be there to help support each other, and not you know have that scarcity or turfdom mentality. And I'm not saying that's what happens, but it, truthfully, it does happen. And I've had it happen with people I've trained and coached. Right? Um, just quickly, Jesse. Um, not sorry, Jesse Ryan. Is there anything specific that you've done as an initiative around mental health or resilience? You know, as a wellness campaign during the pandemic, or now you know coming out of the pandemic, if you will. Yeah. So. I think, you know, I just, there, there's a lot of different campaigns. Some of them are quick hitters and they're, they're for kind of everyone. Sometimes it's, it's more of an in-depth one where uh, it, it can speak to Any those particular who might... titles or themes come to mind of what you've done. I know you spoke to a few in our interview. Yeah. Um, gosh. Um, you did the jo- Jomo, I, the joy of missing Jomo. Out. Okay. There you go. Jomo. So if anyone has ever heard of FOMO, the yeah. fear of, 
the fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, we created a an initiative called Jomo, the joy of missing yeah. out. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a, a, just a play on the the term and then just helping people understand. And I kind of came with it with a, uh, came at it with a social media bend. So it's okay to miss out on every, on your feed for um, a few hours or uh, a few days if you want to. And, and there's actually a lot of joy you can get from just experiencing uh, life in that that's you know, really happening that, in front of you. That is a bedrock of our mental health, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. my gracious, you know, and that's what builds res- resilience by stepping away from the screens and getting mm-hmm. out and, you know, reconnecting with life outside of mm-hmm. a screen, right? Yeah. Uh, that can't be overstated. Yeah. Okay. And Philippa, um, you know, again, around the notion of the question around, um, you know, mental health and burnout uh, and, and then enhancing resilience. Is there any specific yeah. initiative that comes to mind that you've been doing? Well, I think it was, it's recognizing that we almost had to create like sort of an emergency preparedness plan, mm. you know, um, you know, you have your, your hierarchy or your wellness program plan, you have your overall committee and champions and your programs and activities but I think strategically we had to, especially when this last variant hit, it became very, it was a quick, quick transition into, okay, we went from the massive 50 person committee to a task force, to targeted areas. So it was spiritual partnership. Partnership is huge for us, spiritual care, because we don't have the resources. Um, I'm not trained in everything. I'm not a therapist or a counselor, so there's, I can't do everything. Um, so bringing our partners together. Um Education, um, the wellness cart became sort of a transport, not just for the wellness and the stretching and all that, but our partnerships, things to, to address staff shortages. We have an employee referral bonus program, um, spiritual care brochures that I'm, I'm carrying, their burnout brochures, our diversity information. So I think, again, what I heard I, Ryan say, every, as he was talking, I heard he's, he's got the standard. He's got those risk yeah. factors in yeah. it, you know, and, and that I think has been the biggest thing that we're trying to do to support burnout and resilience is address the, the, those factors. Yeah. Yeah. And do you create, are you involved in creating those resources yourself? Or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, spiritual care does their own. Um, but yes, I create all the stretching brochures. Um, we do have our EAP one obviously given to us by our yeah. provider. Um, but yes, as uh, yeah, um, we have our print shop internal and right. uh, yeah, they do everything for us. We just oh. put it together. Good stuff. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap up this first segment we've got two more to go so <laughs> you know do stand up stretch uh keep your your resilience going strong uh, <laughs> to get us through the next two segments but you know thank you for joining this first segment of our kickoff podcast and you know really again a special thanks to jesse and philip and ryan and uh, i've provided their bios and contact info in the show notes should you wish to reach out to them Also, be sure to check out parts two and three of our discussion that we're going to pick up momentarily. And, uh, you know, keep keep listening to the episode to hear um, my final thoughts after each of them, because I'm going to have my own little takeaway and my own little concluding thoughts at the end of each of our podcasts. And uh, so, you know, take care, everyone. Stay healthy, vibrant, and of course, keep on keeping it real. Wow, what a great discussion to kick off our podcast. I hope you found it as informative and motivating as I did. It was so tactical and very much aligned with my vision for our first episode. As I indicated previously, at the end of each episode, I will be sharing takeaways of key considerations to note and be mindful of 
in our work as wellness and organizational leaders and wellness champions. Some of these podcast highlights will also be embedded in my bi-weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Cultivating Vibrant Workplaces, that you can subscribe to via the link in the show notes. So here are my takeaways. The first one is that with all we have experienced during the pandemic, it is perhaps worth re-examining our approach to workplace wellness and to assess program changes that may be needed to respond to the evolving needs of our employees and organizations, especially in light of the shift to hybrid and flexible work arrangements. It might also be prudent to revisit and perhaps redefine our workplace wellness mission and vision statements and align them with our organizations. Furthermore, as wellness leaders, we can help bridge gaps and mitigate silos between departments and be change agents in creating or enhancing organizational policies, procedures, and processes that will best support employee and organizational well-being in this post-pandemic environment. As Philippa alluded to, as wellness and organizational leaders, we should continually seek opportunities to merge and align the pillars or dimensions of wellness and to focus on the low-hanging fruit in our wellness offerings and culture-building initiatives that can make a real difference and impact. And one means to do that out of the gate as wellness leaders is by becoming strategic business partners or advisors to our leadership. As Ryan aptly put it, managers can be a roadblock or a conduit to well-being. So it would behoove wellness leaders to help upskill their managers to become better conduits. Yes, it is more important than ever for wellness leaders to get managers involved and engaged in the planning and implementation of wellness initiatives. And as Ryan suggested, let them know you'll always have their back and bring enthusiastic managers into your inner circle. As wellness leaders, we can be instrumental in helping shift from fragmented initiatives to more integrated solutions within our organizations and help make the shift from a me-to-we mindset and culture where such is the case. Another key takeaway is that employees are no longer willing to sacrifice their health and well-being for their organization. During the pandemic, they got a taste of a more harmonious work-life balance, and many simply do not want to return to pre-COVID days of grinding it out. Therefore, as wellness leaders, we should work with our managers to prioritize and nurture employee well-being and work-life balance to help mitigate burnout, stress leaves, and attrition. Now, one solution might be the development of career coaching skills and initiatives of both wellness leaders and managers to help them anticipate, address, and support employee growth needs and aspirations. A concluding takeaway, and one that I'm so passionate about, is that as wellness leaders, our primary role, first and foremost, should be that of an advocate for our people. Well, that's it for now. If you have stayed with me to the end, I want to thank you again for listening and supporting our inaugural episode. Please let us know your thoughts via the comments below or in a LinkedIn comment or DM. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast via our Cultivating Healthy and Vibrant Workplaces YouTube channel or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts to be notified of parts two and three of this and future episodes. 
And if you are inspired by the work and achievements of the talented leaders you just heard from and are interested in learning how to develop or advance your skills as an internal or independent workplace wellness professional, please check out our workplace wellness and executive wellness coaching certification tracks. We have new programs commencing January 30th, 2023. And if you are interested in being considered for one of our certification tracks and qualifying for the early bird fees between December 6th and January 23rd, I invite you to sign up for an information session with me via the program pages on our website at workplacewellnesscoe.com. Again, that's workplacewellnesscoe.com. And now as a parting thought, our well-being and success in life are the product of our daily habits, not one-time efforts. So until we meet up in part two, keep putting one foot in front of the other and stay healthy, active, and vibrant. Bye for now.